Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with <laughs> One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I am joined today, and as always, by my friend, my business partner, my scene setter, my storyteller, oh. friend, Mr. Jason Johnston Yellen. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. That is a, a very warm opening. I try. Try to get a little warmth in there. <sighs> you know what today is? The second day of Hanukkah. <laughs> the first day of Hanukkah. It's the first day. Second of night of Hanukkah. Yep. I know. Yep. I'm still getting used to these measurements. Things starting at sundown is not a tradition I grew up with. Yeah. And I'm I'm very day focused. And so yes, we started Hanukkah last evening. Yep. And now we're on our first day, and tonight will be our second night. Yeah, it's not easy. Everybody's life is day focused and then throw a holiday into the mix. It's like, no, let's do this one by the night. Oh, damn it. Okay. It's also funny that it doesn't feel like Hanukkah during the day, but it feels like Hanukkah at night when you light the candles. Yeah, it does. It does. Yep. So this is just a normal work day. We're going about business. We're recording our podcasts. It's not like we've got a seven-day holiday. No. And it ends at sundown. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The next time. No, yep. you, you light your last night of candles. Yep. Anyway, well, because. You, yes. Because. Carry on. If you look at the book of Genesis, everything starts off with oh. the darkness and then there's right. light. Right? Hello, darkness, my old friend. I have come to talk with you again. Wow. I'm so glad you quit your singing career. <laughs> That's very kind of you to suggest I got a singing career off the ground. <laughs> I didn't know there were notes. This is why I like poetry. I, I like the words. Uh, the notes don't really mean anything to me, as you just heard. Yes. That's interesting. You like poetry. I love poetry. Do you? Yeah. My, and thankfully, my little seven-year-old really digs poetry as well. And so, yeah, he and I, he and I read poetry books at bedtime. Yeah, it's never really stuck with me. In fact, one of the things that that Haida told me early on, oh, you know, because what what men are are want to do, not all men, but some men are want to do, especially in those early courting days, is let me put down in verse how I'm feeling about this mm -hmm. person. And uh, mm -hmm. one of the things she said to me early on is, "Don't you ever write me a poem." I don't need a goddamn poem. Well, the thing to remember is Jason was a literature major, yep. uh, along with my philosophy, and so I have I have written many a poem in my day. Oh, look, you uh, even pronounced it have, right. And I I have even had them requested of me by my wife. It's so amazing. we are quite the opposites. However, you're you're musically focused, and so you yeah. are yeah. focused on the notes. That's true. I focus on the music first and foremost, and then and the melody of the vocal and and the phrasing and everything like that, and then the lyric. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I'm the the yep. lip of that. Yep. So, um, which which I think I think not to jump too far ahead here, but I think ties in quite nicely with our our interview today with Hans Offringer, who uh, the two of you ended up, and I had the pleasure of listening to the raw footage as always. Finished up with a five-minute conversation about Frank Zappa, <laughs> which uh, thank you for making me listen to that, as opposed to just a simple text that said, "Jason, stop listening at the thirty-minute mark. You'll be good." But uh, no, I st I stopped listening at the thirty-five-minute mark when uh, 
when it actually ended. Well, because we're talking about perhaps the most important <laughs> musician of the modern era. I mean, you, and I, you had I, Beethoven, you had I Bach. That. I understand you know, that. I understand you, that. You had Tchaikovsky, yep. right? And then yep. there was Zappa. I'm yep, yep. Very, very good friend of mine, uh, Francis uh, Lanny, uh, who I, I attended university with in Glasgow. Um, massive Frank Zappa fan. Massive. Smart guy. So I, I have, I've endured my fair share of Frank Zappa um, through Francis. And so yeah. now that I'm in business with Joshua Hatton, it's, it's good that Zappa is, uh, is never too far away. <laughs> He's not for everybody. There's no doubt about it. He's, Frank, he's yeah. not. He's not. He's not. I can only imagine the Zappa that you're overlaying uh, on top of this footage of us talking about Zappa. I can only imagine what you chose to either prove my point that he's unlistenable or your point, mm. which is the genius of the 20th century. My guess is it's the same piece of music. I'm just going to insert the entire <laughs> Hot Rats uh, album into this. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All of this is framing yes. for the interview you conducted yeah. with really world-renowned whiskey writer Hans Offringer. Not only world-renowned whiskey writer, but I would dare say one of the most genuinely nice people I've ever met. There are – how should I say this? Jason, how should I say this? Badly. <laughs> which, which I'm quite often uh, doing, which isn't what – it isn't necessarily my want. It just happens to be the result. So far, so good. Yeah, and it's poorly, not badly. So <laughs> I know it is poorly. That's exactly what I had in my head. Boom. <laughs> it's like it's poorly. Yep. So there you go. <laughs> poorly is the word of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> that's something to advertise to listeners <laughs> poorly <You know. laughs> sums up this experience beautifully i listen to a lot of interviews uh whether it's you know various podcast interviews if it's someone you know on fresh air you know i, I listen to a lot of interviews and there are some people that i listen to and when i hear their voice and i say that person just mm -hmm. sounds like a sweetheart. Mm -hmm. And when you hear the tone in, in Hans's voice, it comes right through. From listening back to the interview as an outsider, say, this guy just sounds like an absolute sweetheart. And and I just want to relay quickly how I how I first met Hans. Now, yeah, this that was, sounds ideal. Yeah. This was almost two years ago now. Uh, he was with Lefroig because he had written a book about Lefroig, sort of a 200th anniversary book. And he was with Simon Brooking, and they were doing this sort of book and bottle tour uh, for the 200th anniversary. And I met him at the, uh, the Julio's event. So it was a February, uh, Julio's in Massachusetts. And after the event, we hung out, we got some beers, we got some food, and and we just sort of hit it off. And he said, you know, I'm going to be in New Haven, Connecticut, uh, in a couple of days doing an event there. And I said, that's perfect. I'm 15 minutes from New Haven. 
what, what's the day? And he told me the day, and that evening didn't work out. So I, w- I didn't go to the event, but I had the day free. And I said, look, if you've got nothing going on and you just want to hang out a little bit, maybe see a bit of New Haven. And he said, Joshua, there's nothing I would, I would want more. And so we spent the day. And I just showed him the various sites at, you know, in, in Yale, some chapels, some art museums. And, and then we went to the owl shop and got to drink some nice spring bank and hang out there. You look like you're about to say something. They don't sell owls at the owl shop? No, no, that's, that's, that's a good point. Right. People haven't heard of the owl I shop. thought you were up Diagon Alley. <laughs> Quick, send an owl. Um no, it's it's Connecticut's only uh, cigar bar where uh, they can where they can serve s- alcohol. Is Hans a cigar guy? No, but that's where the event was. Excuse uh, me, that's where the event was that evening. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So I just got to spend a good time with Hans, and, and we 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 hit it off. And I didn't know he was going to be at Maltstock. When I went to Maltstock, it just so happened to be he was staying at the same hotel that I was staying at. So I saw Hans, I saw Becky, and, you know, so we got some beers, and and we just sort of hung out for the majority of the of the Maltstock event of the weekend. Uh, I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> What's it say? Well, it says, I love it when a plan comes together. So you guys are known as the whiskey couple, right? So just quickly, before we get into to writing, give me some history behind the whiskey couple and how, this, uh, how you were dubbed as such. Well, it's actually Becky's doing, not mine. Huh? When Hans and I first met, we were spending three months in the U.S., three months in the Netherlands, and you have to keep changing your voicemail because we had two different telephones, and we got tired of it. So I said to Hans, just tell them that the whiskey couple is traveling again. And when we got back, our voicemail box was full. That's a great name. You should keep it. So we did. That, that's funny. That's 12 years ago. Okay. Okay. So it's now a, a name we use. We are known in the whiskey world as the whiskey couple, but it's also... Um, illustrative for the way we work because we really work together I couldn't do what I do and where I am now it's because of Becky's help and support we're really a team yeah. that's great That's great. your history uh, when I think of whiskey writers there are, there are key names that come to mind you know Michael Jackson obviously Dave Broom another name and then you uh, and obviously there, there are more than that, but when I think of whiskey writers, when people say, what book should you be reading, those three names come to mind. Uh, if you wouldn't mind giving me a little bit of history and how you got into whiskey writing and, and maybe, I know you shared a relationship uh, or a close friendship with Michael Jackson, if I'm understanding that correctly. Um, so if you wouldn't mind giving a little history on how you got into writing about whiskey. Well, I'd be happy to do that, but first I'd like to include another name, Charlie McLean. You, you can't miss him. Right? Yeah, of course. And that's why I said there, there are other names, but that's a very good point. <laughs> so, so your writings in particular, 
you know, I think of uh, Road to Kregeliki, which is m- more of memoirs, right? Yeah, there's a funny story attached to it. I have done a major publication in Scotland with a Scottish business partner. It was my first big work on whiskey. I had been writing about whiskey since 1990, and in 1997, 1998, I found a business partner in, in Scotland, and we, we published a part work called the Krogelchi Collection of Whiskey Labels. Hmm. Uh, we teamed up with a, a guy, he, he must have been in his late 70s at the time, and he had been designing packaging and labels for the Scottish whiskey industry for ages and ages. And every time he had a new label, he asked for a, uh, a specimen. Oh. So he had an incredible collection of whiskey labels, which I scanned and I turned it into a publication. People could subscribe yeah. uh, via the web. It was very, well, I think I was a little bit too early with it, but in 97 you could subscribe via, via the web and every three months you would get part of the, of the book. Well, book, the part work. Yeah. In the end, we only had 100 subscribers, so we had to pull the plug. Lost a lot of money, but yeah. we, we'd had a lot of fun yeah. uh, doing it. And I came back to the Netherlands because at the time I was living in Scotland. I was virtually unknown as a whiskey writer in the Netherlands, but the Scots knew me mm. as a whiskey writer. So I thought, well, I should do a little bit more about it. So my then publisher uh, knew about my fascination for whiskey. He said, we want to translate a couple of books. We want to buy the rights of Michael Jackson's books. That's how I met Michael through okay. that. Okay. Um, and then they challenged me. They said, you have to write a book about whiskey yourself in the Netherlands. And at that time, it was still more of a hobby. And I earned my living in writing about totally different stuff. Mm. But they challenged me and I said, well, I, I could write a story about how I got involved in whiskey and how I came to like and love Scotland. Mm-hmm. And that turned out to be the road to Kregelchi. So. Okay. And that started in the Netherlands. was my first Dutch whiskey book. And that became kind of a cult book. People bought it, started yeah. traveling, and they came back and they said, it's really true what you wrote down. We've been to these places and you don't lie. I said, no, no, I don't lie. <laughs> and, and you don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't lie. <laughs> and that's what kick-started my okay. uh, career as a, as a full-time whiskey writer. So you, you wrote that in Dutch and then translated into yeah. English? And um, after high school, I studied English literature for a couple of years until I could get a very nice job at the publishing company. So I, uh, how do you call it, I flunked? Or I, you dropped out? I dropped out, yeah. 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 So did Michael. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of fun about that. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so you mentioned Charles and Ian and we, you know, Dave Broom and, and so many others. And I wonder, and maybe I'm thinking about this all wrong, but I, I wonder how many topics about whiskey or approaches to writing about whiskey do you think there are? Well, if you look at... Uh at, at, uh, especially uh, Charlie and Dave, both of them, are, I've been working with them for many years. Charlie and I really work, work together a lot with Dave. I translated his uh, Whiskey Atlas in, into Dutch. He wrote the foreword for my 
whiskey and jazz, so we always help each other. But if you have to categorize them, Dave is an all-round drinks writer. He mm. does totally different stuff than whiskey That's true. too. Yeah. Um, I think he comes close to what Michael did with his whiskey encyclopedia. Uh, if you compare that to the uh, whiskey atlas, Charlie is a, is a historian. He's a, he's a, he studied law too. <laughs> that's that's his forty. He's he's done marvelous books uh, about history. We all all three of us like to write about the whiskies themselves. Tell what we think they taste like. Yeah. I'm more of a guy who likes to. Connect other domains to the whiskey domain. That's why I wanted to do a trilogy on drinks and music, the whiskey and jazz, yes. the bourbon and blues, yeah, and right. yeah. rum and reggae. Yeah. Where Dave helped me tremendously. He gave me introductions in the Caribbean, uh, everywhere where he had good contacts. Uh, I couldn't have done the book without uh, without his help. Um, I like to combine travel. Mm. And whiskey, which came from the road to Kragalaki, of course. Yeah. Uh, Becky and I do a buy, not a buy annual, but every other year we do a whiskey almanac for yeah. in close cooperation with the Dutch importers. Uh, so that's purely about tasting. I've done a couple of books on uh, uh, whiskey and food, uh, which I learned from Martin Nouet, mm -hmm. who's been a long time friend too. And she showed me what she did with whiskey and food pairing. So in 2007, I did a book called A Taste of Whiskey, which was about pairing the ideal whiskey nice. with the ideal uh, course. Yeah. Uh, Martine cooperated with that book. She, she really helped me with that. And I revisited idea uh, in last year when Becky and I did a, a book called, it's only available in Dutch at the moment, but if I translate the title loosely into English, it's Take Your Whiskey to the Kitchen. We invited the three Michelin star chef and his wife, who was a sommelier. Uh, we gave them 23 whiskeys and said, let's pair them with your wonderful, wonderful dishes. Yeah. So literally the four of us sat down in the kitchen and in four incredible sessions, which you will never forget, we created this book. <laughs> So I'm always looking at, okay, people might like whiskey, but they might like other things too. Mm. Dave and Charlie don't do their own photography, we do. Uh, a yeah. lot of our photographs are either made by Becky or by me. Yeah. Publishers love that because they can uh, purchase the, the photographs with us too. And if our books are published in another language, it's, uh, it's an easier way to, yeah. you don't have third party have rights. rights yeah. and royalties. Yeah. and all that sort of stuff, yeah. okay. So, one time I'll, I'll write the manuscript in English, give it to Becky, she corrects me where I'm wrong. <laughs> she, she's got the best, best paid job in the world. She gets criticized for pay, she gets paid for criticizing her husband. That's, That's not a bad amazing. one. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, I couldn't do it without Becky. She's a native English speaker, I, I'm not. I studied English literature, but that's a, that's a different ball yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, Usually our, our MO is, uh, I come up with the ideas, talk it over with Becky, we look if a publisher is interested, if not we'll publish it ourselves and we have distribution channels mm. we can use. And one time it'll be a, an English book and the other time it'll be a Dutch book or okay. I translate them afterwards and we publish them in both languages. Yeah. 
there was an interesting point that Hans brought up about International Whiskey Day versus World Whiskey Day. And I wouldn't say the, the conversation didn't get uncomfortable. I mean, not between Hans and I, because I really don't have much of a stance either way on it. But, but in, and you'll hear it in the interview. But I, I guess my question to you, Jason, is do you want to set up set this up or should we have our listeners listen to that portion and then we can tease it out a little bit as you know math professors like to do with pencils there you go well remembered uh how many times have you told that joke since i told it to you in the podcast not nearly enough there you go yeah um yeah let's let's play the footage and then come in and comment on the footage yeah i'm gonna play the audio because we i didn't record any video so we don't have footage, but we do have some audio we recorded. You might think poorly is the word of the podcast. Footage is the word of the podcast. There's a joke in there somewhere. All right. To the audio footage. <laughs> Michael, I shared a similar background. We both grew up and had our formative years in a local publishing company where we wrote for local newspapers, magazines. Mm. That's where we connected when we finally met. Um, then I had the opportunity to translate Michael's books into Dutch. All right. So I really got into understanding his his manner of writing, mm-hmm. and he was my my mentor. I learned so much from him. I had some other mentors in the whiskey world, but he was uh, really the, the the one that uh, that helped me uh, on so many occasions. Mm-hmm. Charlie's been a good friend forever. We work together regularly, but. Michael was for me uh, the man I I looked up to, and then we shared a passion. We both had a I still have a, an American spouse. He had an American friend, so yeah, we had so many parallels in our work. And he he wrote a foreword to one of my books, A Taste of Whiskey, and there he describes how our paths, professional path as well as personal, was quite similar. Although he was 15 years mm. my senior. I had a hard time when he passed away. It was on Becky's birthday. <laughs> How much for conceptual continuity? Yes. Uh, I read a eulogy after the service to assorted friends and, and writers. I was happy to contribute to a book that Ian Buxton, who is also a good whiskey writer, yes. yeah. um, assembled uh, a book called Beer Hunter Whiskey Writer. Okay. Sorry, Beer Hunter Whiskey. No, Beer Hunter Whiskey Chaser. Uh, okay. Um, okay. Ian invited six beer writers and six whiskey writers to contribute an, an original, unique piece. Well, I've written a couple of novels as well, but it was before I started writing about whiskey full time. So I thought I'll dedicate a short fi- fiction story to that book, which we did. All the proceeds went to the uh, Parkinson Disease Society yeah. because, yeah. as you as you know, uh, Michael passed away as a consequence of uh, Parkinson's disease. And then Becky and I uh, invited uh, a group of influential people in the whiskey world said we'd like to honor uh, Michael, but also all the people who make the whiskey daily. Mm. So we'd like to create International Whiskey Day, which we did in 2009. We launched it at the Whiskey Festival North Netherlands. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And well, it became uh, a vehicle for uh, raising funds for the Parkinson's Disease Society, and we still do that. Unfortunately, uh, 
a young Scottish upstart used that in his own way to make yeah. it a commercial vehicle called World Whiskey World Day. Whiskey Day yeah. And we, we feel all sad about it, but that, that's what happens. I'm not going to put any negative energy in trying to terminate that. It's, mm -hmm. it's the way things go. So it's always great listening to people who remember Michael Jackson fondly, worked with Michael Jackson, um, really just thoroughly enjoyed Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. And I know when I started blogging uh, somewhere around 2009, Michael Jackson was my influence for my notes. And and I know that, that you and I had very different styles. Yes. And, and I... I loved reading you for that reason, and, and I would assume you enjoyed reading me for that reason. Mm -hmm. so, um, and so yours were much more flamboyant and you know much more ref referential, as in you made a lot of references. Yes. Um, whereas for me, inspired by Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson said, you never have to say anything bad about a whiskey. Like you, you, you know, and, and I know there's a lot of talk around, you know, barnyard smells or mm. you know wet straw <laughs> um screeching tires yeah. michael never thought you needed to say those things you could you could still describe the same effect using different words and and so that that was always my approach um and and i think the perfect example of it is the the coming of age brookladdy valanche <laughs> that that you and I discuss uh, on and off as as the months pass, um, where off of my blog, yes. I, I to you called it a hate fuck whiskey, but never ever made it into my into my yeah. blog, um, and you had said um, it was like having sex with a dead muskrat. Muskrat, is that well, right? I, I, I just can't remember. I, I didn't say having sex with a dead muskrat. It just reminded me of of, of a dead muskrat or a bloody oh, rusty shiv, okay. or uh, <laughs> um, a five a five pound bag filled with ten pounds of dead mice. <laughs> you know th that type of stuff. So a very so a very different approach from Michael Jackson is what you're saying. Um, it's, it's slightly, it's, slightly. It's funny. It's funny because after after reading your unbridled review of it mm -hmm. and reading or knowing that off <laughs> blog i'd called it a hate fuck um in reading my own notes about it mm -hmm. it's a very gentle review of a very ungentle whiskey um <laughs> but in reading between the lines of it it's pretty clear that it doesn't read as a as a glowing review yeah. of a whiskey, um, and so so it's just it's always great for me to hear people uh, waxing lyrical. Uh, I was actually uh, Hans mentions uh, whiskey hunter beer chaser. I have it on my shelf behind me as I quickly check the title, <laughs> and 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 so it was. It's actually just interesting on that beer line. I was at a food expo pouring uh, in August, and this chap came by my table, and I was just pouring for him. I'm trying to gauge his palate, as I tend to do, mm -hmm. and he uh, was a beer professor, uh, very well-regarded home brewer, 
uh, well regarded to the point where he actually taught classes on on beer at the wow. the local university. Okay. And and as I'm speaking to him at the table, he starts talking about Michael Jackson, and when Michael Jackson, the beer whiskey writer, first started coming to Atlanta, um, he actually stayed with this guy. Oh, wow. And, wow. and Michael okay. would taste this guy's um, beers. And it was just, again, fascinating listening to somebody who just talked about Michael Jackson being the biggest beer nut, the biggest beer geek. And for me... I know him, obviously, as this whiskey mm. geek, mm-hmm. uh, this whiskey nerd. And so, in again, listening to Hans talking about him and wanting to uh, to really remember him fondly yeah. with International Whiskey Day, uh, as you teased before we went into the bit of footage, I, I think World Whiskey Day, created by Blair Bowman, was simply trying to do something different mm. from International Whiskey Day. And unfortunately, they both went ahead and used the term whiskey. But I think of International Whiskey Day as World Michael Jackson Day. Um, yeah. Yeah. And World Whiskey Day is that slightly more corporate, brand-leaning celebration of whiskey. And I, and I don't think either one of them is right or wrong, I just think both of them or each of them are doing different things. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I remember when all of that was going on and, and, you know, you had the, the international whiskey day people saying, ah, you know, we don't like what, we don't like what this young kid is doing. And meanwhile, and and I was friendly with him on Facebook and and things like that and and still am. Yep. And, you know, him just saying, man, I'm just, I'm, trying to do the right thing here and you know here's this young scottish kid who has a massive love and passion for whiskey and all he wanted to do was instill that in others and i think you know you know the best intentions are are always what does it say the road to hell is paved with the good intentions that's what they say. Yeah, that's what they say. Never seen it myself. Never, that's no. what they say. Well, it's because most of your intentions are not that great. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> I love when your business partner and friend can say that to you. <laughs> but, You're the one that tied your horse to this wagon, matey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but here's a kid who 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 really wanted to do a great thing for whiskey and and he did want to tie it to Michael Jackson's birthday because it was a nod to someone who who he respected as someone yeah. who also helped you know bring whiskey to the forefront of of so many bring beer drinkers to to love whiskey and so on and so forth and so he had every good intention but was unfortunately not received as well by the by the folks who who were doing International Whiskey Day? Well, and in his own way, I I think he brought a lot of attention to International Whiskey Day. That's a good um, point. You know, you you and I were deeply entrenched in whiskey circles, albeit while living and working in America. You and I had never heard of International Whiskey no, Day. No, not until uh, this. Before, That's true. Before there was fallout around what Blair was trying to achieve. 
Um, and so in, in his own kind of youthful, haphazard, stumbling upon it way, he he did deliver a, an international audience, International Whiskey Day. Um, and, you know, hopefully to his credit, when there was that, that furore around it, he changed his date. He moved it away from yeah. Michael Jackson's yeah. birthday. It was the right thing to do. It was, and I, and I, you know, I, I thought it was a bit of a shame that that it moved away from Michael Jackson's birthday, but it left room for International Whiskey Day to have Michael's birthday and celebrate Michael. Yeah, I, I think it is a bit of a shame too, but you know, my under and this is just my understanding, and maybe this is a bit of a Pollyanna read into it, but. I made the grand assumption that the date was moved from Michael Jackson's birthday in 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 honor of Michael Jackson and International Whiskey Day saying, "Okay, I get it. I get it. You you guys are upset by what I'm doing. Let me step back. I will have my own thing, you will have your own thing, and hopefully we can all live, you know, happily alongside one another." And 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 I think it was done a bit out of, okay, yeah, maybe I messed up a little bit, but out of respect, let me change the date. <laughs> and, and, and you know, now, you know, World Whiskey Day is owned by a separate entity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rum Publishing Company or, or something yeah, like that. Media. Yeah, yeah, media company, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's I, become I, its I'm, own phenomenon. But, uh, yeah, go on. Sorry. And I, ho- I hope that it worked out well for everybody. I do, too. And I, I, do I think... Too. You know, having never met the man and being very respectful of the people who did know him, um, I, I hope it's what Michael would have wanted. Yeah, is yeah. that it worked out for everybody? Yep, uh, and that we can support both dates in our own way. You know, whatever that happens to look like, um, and obviously remember Michael Jackson and celebrate whiskey, yeah. which is the name of the game here. It is. Do Do you raise a glass to to Michael? Every mark? Oh, of course. Yeah, Absolutely, so yes. Yes, so yes, I, yes. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and pull out a copy of something, you know, written yeah. by him and, and enjoy it and read it. Um, which, I, which I think, I, th- I think, and you can tell me if you think this is a tenuous link or not, but as we're talking about the way the internet grew whiskey, okay, uh, round about 2009, 2010. Sure. Hans said something very interesting, uh, and I and I think it dovetails nicely with with some things we've been saying about about ourselves. In 1995, he had an idea mm. for uh, a kind of an, an internet subscription uh, deal uh, with whiskey. Yeah. Right. Yep. And as he says in the interview, and and you know maybe I'm talking over his own. Audio, better get that right, not call it footage. I've annoyed Joshua enough in this episode. Um, <laughs> he, he only got to about 100 subscribers and he had to pull the plug on it. Yeah. And it's it's very interesting to me that I'm I'm looking at this internet timeline. And, and you and I have discussed it and we discussed it way back in our origin episode mm-hmm. as well, where here you've got Hans um, in 1995 trying to do something interesting with the internet and it just not taking off. Right. And and then you cut to somewhere around 2005, 2006, and you've got people like Sam Simmons, uh, Dr. Whiskey, 
You've got Serge with Whiskey Fun and Kevin Erskine uh, with his whiskey blog. <laughs> and the three of them just started to sow the seeds. They got yeah. great followings. The uh, Malt Maniacs were starting to establish an online presence as well. And then you've got you know the dozen of us who came along in 2009, 2010, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, all in the right place at the right yeah. time. Yep. And it it makes me think of something that, that I've just been looking at, which is we did amazingly well in internet circles with blogs. Right. Yeah. It was something. And now and now blogs have become so saturated that the the attention, the focus, the following has moved on. And you, you go to Instagram yeah. and yeah. You, you see people, and whiskey people on Instagram with 30,000 followers, right? They, they put up a post, post about whiskey. It gets 2,500 likes, a whole bunch of comments. It's fascinating to me that, and and here's what I'm trying to to say and what I'm trying to frame here is there was a little bit of us coming online in 2009, 2010 and generating great followings where the guys who had books, the guys who wrote whiskey magazine articles Mm -hmm. were their own entity. They were doing their own thing. They weren't thinking about starting a blog. The bloggers were doing the blogs. They were whiskey yeah, writers. Right, exactly. And I think about Hans. I think about uh, Charlie McLean. I think about Dave Broom. Mm-hmm. Um, um, they, um, uh, Dominic. Uh, I'm just yeah, Ross. Dominic Ross. Yeah, sure. I was, I was blanking on Dom's last name there. Ian Buxton is another name. Of course, uh, yeah. Jim Murray. Uh, if, if anybody's heard of that name. I've never uh, heard that name Jim before. Jim Murray. Um those guys stuck to writing. And I look at Instagram now, and if if you pay attention to who's on Instagram, there are whiskey writers on Instagram, mm-hmm. there are whiskey bloggers on Instagram, and there are the Instagram guys on Instagram. <laughs> and uh, I know where you're going with this, yeah. Right? And it, it's very interesting to me that we had fantastic followings for our blogs who never necessarily followed us onto Instagram. Um, I look at Dave Broom, who's got a great international following for his writing, and he's got a small number of followers and a, a small number of people who like his posts. But the Instagram guys, the real kings yeah, of Instagram. Scotch Trooper, Single Model Alliance, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah, Access of Whiskey, Access of whiskey. whiskey with a View. Yeah. Right, like, the list goes on there. They... They have got the followers, and they're not translating to the whiskey writers. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating to me that without the whiskey writers, we would never have had the, the internet bloggers. And without the internet bloggers, I don't think we'd have, have got onto the Instagram um, – what, what do they call them? Um, oh, uh, influencers. influencers, right? <laughs> Instagram influencers. Yeah, and it's it's fascinating to me that you've you've got Hans, who's who's a world renowned whiskey writer, who I can even tell you right now if he's on Instagram, right? Mm. It's just it's a, a it's a very interesting evolution of how 
brands have passed through a conduit to the public. Yeah, it's... I'm afraid what I might say now may be a bit controversial. Mm-mm. But what started off as here's a drink that everybody needs to dig into and people are writing thousands of words on, hundreds of pages on, has evolved into brands finding an opportunity through the Instagram influencers to say, here's a picture of the bottle, buy the whiskey. And you've got you've gone from reading a thousand words to pictures telling a thousand words. Right? And I'm gonna disappoint you here, Joshua. And 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 I feel we've lost a little something there. Having said that, disappoint me in a second. Hold on. I I just I wanna oh, I, I just wanna oh. close out this thought. <laughs> to think how many women have said that to you in the day. Joshua, just you can disappoint me in a second. Just let me finish. <laughs> God damn it, what was I going to say? Um, you think we've lost something in this evolution, which I think is exactly what whiskey writers would have said about whiskey bloggers. Right, e- exactly. I, I, I do. And but so, so here comes old man shouting at Cloud's time. Can I just say my one last thing? Are you just going <laughs> to... I, 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 I definitely feel as if we've lost something and something big. However, however, whiskey books continue to sell. These these men and <laughs> women do. who they write do. about whiskey con- <laughs> they continue right? to have their careers. Make, yep. They yep. have yep. careers. They're making livings. So I don't yep. think – I think on the face of it, it seems as if we've lost something, but that's not necessarily the case. And in defense of the Instagrammers, I think – People like Scotch Trooper are doing amazing things to to get you interested in stuff. And, and like Ben with Single Malt Alliance, you know, he's taking some really cool pictures, but then he follows up with tasting notes. He's got a blog that kind of goes along with it. And it's there's more to it than just pictures. They're coming at it because we live in a different world, because the world is evolving. It's got to be that picture that gra- that pulls you in. And once you're pulled in, here, read about why I took this picture. And this is this is a tip tip of the hat to to Ben when at Single Malt Alliance. When you look at his posts, people chime in and talk. He's engaging in conversation. Correct. There's 100%. Not a, right? Yep. There's not a single person who comments that he doesn't interact with in some way, yep. shape, or form. And while I think we may have lost a little bit of something, we've gained it in an unusual way where we're having, we're we're able to have these conversations through these posts. Yeah, and that's you. You you managed to to work your way back to the point I was going to make that that was going to boom disappoint you when you know you open up by saying I might say something controversial, and and I think. What I was going to say that that you may have found disappointing is, I don't think it's controversial in the slightest. I think what you've done is you've summed up the evolution of society in the last twenty years, which is people have moved to the device that they all carry in their pocket, and yeah. instead of your books on your bookshelf 
or going onto your browser and reading the internet, people just pull up their phone and what's what's immediate on their phone. And I think Instagram is the distillation. Yes, thank you. Oh, thank you, wow. listeners. Wow, that, hold on. That's why you pay the big bucks for do, this podcast. Do you hear the crowd cheering? Amazing. Just listen Amazing. to that. Amazing. Wow. Wow. Yeah, breathe That was in. me. Get it? I was drinking it in. That's oh. what I was doing. There. I know. I can't oh. help myself. Here comes so. the snare, snare crash. Okay. <laughs> so I think what we have now is, is the distillation of whiskey fandom down to, oh, there's a bottle. Nice one. And it's nicely framed and that looks sexy and that that looks like something I want on my shelf. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's become lifestyle. And for those who want it, there's more information. Yeah, and, and I think it's it's flipped a little bit where, you know, when I first got into whiskey, it was, okay, someone I knew turned me on to whiskey. Where do I read up on this? Mm-hmm. And now it's become, I'm bombarded with being introduced <laughs> to whiskeys through pictures, through whatever, and you're getting into them. It, it's just, it's flipped a little bit, maybe not flipped, but the approach is just slightly different. The approach well, and, is slightly and I different. wanted to come back to something that you were suggesting where you, you held on to the fact that we might have lost something and we might have lost something big, but you, you stuck to very vague language around that. And I'm curious, oh. what what do you think we may have lost? To be honest, I'm not quite sure. I, I You know, I get back to what you had said, where here you have people who are whiskey lovers who have become Instagram influencers that now have 10, 20, 30,000 followers, followers that they're interacting with. But the people who started it all with whiskey writing really know their shit. And not to say these Instagrammers don't know their stuff. I mean, we were those bloggers who didn't know their stuff, right? So, and, and then we started a successful whiskey company and festival and all that. And I don't want to be that old man yelling at clouds. And that's the controversial point that I was about <laughs> to bring us to. Okay. Um, you preempted me again, Hatton. Uh, yeah. But... That, that's, that's I'm just going to jump right in here with both feet as as you're still oh, contemplating. Okay, go ahead, that, go ahead. That, to me, is what people, very vague term, older whiskey lovers, and I'm tempted to put us in that category I now. don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not that old. I just turned, shit, Margaret, how old am I? Go on. At the very beginning of of this and i and i talk about last maybe 20 years at the very beginning of this mm-hmm. actually yeah 20 maybe 25 years now what training did michael jackson have to be an expert on whiskey what training mm-hmm. did jim murray have to be an expert on whiskey and with with all due respect to our wonderful interview guest today what training did hans have mm. to be a whiskey expert. What they had was writing skill. Mm-hmm. They were trained journalists, writers. That was the skill set that they brought to this. Coupled with passion. And when along with passion, but the but the 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 trained the training was writing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. The passion wasn't a training. It was the writing skill. And I think what changed when bloggers came about is that there was no perceived training, right? How many of the bloggers were trained in writing? Very few. Yeah, what did they be. bring? Yeah. The passion, the ability to communicate something with words and pictures. And now as this evolves into Instagram, it's a photo that's leading the way, right? And again, I think the question is, the controversial question is, where is the perceived training in this? And, and I think that's why there are echoes of us having lost something. There are echoes yeah. back to, ah, but in Michael Jackson's day, it looked like this. That's what I think people are getting at when they start to suggest something has been wrong, has been lost. Yeah. And I just think it's changed. The landscape is just different. And, and Hans saw the changing landscape mm -hmm. in 1995. And here we are in 2017, still coming to terms with the changing landscape. And the fact that the landscape, as you start to understand it, mm. changes on you again. There is a thread here that takes us all the way back from, from Alfred Bernard up to Instagrammers. Nice, nice. Go on. And that's the passion. You know, there's Correct. A, right? There's a huge Correct. difference. There's a huge Correct. difference between the wine world and the whiskey world. And to be a wine expert, you've got to go to school typically, you know, become a sommelier and all of this. And there's it's, – it's a different approach to where with whiskey, for whatever reason, it's passion that drives that um, attainment of knowledge. And those that are respected are those that just found it through passion. Now, granted, they had the skills such as journalism and, and writing and public speaking or what have you. But in the end, you had that passion that ties us all the way back and it's how it is delivered to the consumer the consumer being those you know consuming if it's a book if it's an instagram post if it's a blog post or what have you all of it comes from that passion and and yeah maybe it's the old man in me that is saying ah oh, we've lost something what we haven't lost is the passion and it's just but being it's delivered in a different way. Yeah, go ahead. It still remains interesting to me that writing skill set plus passion plus time equal expert. And I think yeah. that the the issue with bloggers appearing and now you know the Instagram influencer influencers appearing is that they seem to have self-appointed expert status. I'm not even saying that about the Instagram folk. I'm saying that about the bloggers because that was the number one issue that we always heard yeah. uh, was that overnight we seem to position ourselves as instant experts. And and I never once thought of myself that way, no, but, I underst but I understand mm. that some people perceived us in that way as self-appointed overnight experts when really we yes. were just 
trying to put our passion somewhere. I never once wrote a blog thinking about an audience. And actually, and I stopped writing it when I became focused on the audience, on my numbers. That's when I stopped. I only ever started writing it as a place for myself, right? As a thing that I found interesting and entertaining. Yeah, yeah, okay. You you know, we we could go on and on and on about this point and and I think what we really need to do uh because of because I want to keep this podcast down to sub 3 days um <laughs> but I do want to thank Hans for the the inspiration to to have that conversation yeah. and to look at the evolution you and I didn't you know go into you know the creation of a Hans offering a podcast thinking we'd be talking about Instagram influencers. No, not at all. Yeah. It, but it, there was that seed sown in the interview with Hans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So thank you, Hans, for for your time uh, during Maltstock and uh, for the beers we had together and for your friendship and, and to Becky, too. Becky was fantastic. So during that whole week, you know, where I was hanging out with Hans. And of course I was hanging out with David Stirk and Billy Abbott, who was there and, mm-hmm. um, you know, a few other people, you know, Hans is one of these guys where everybody wants his attention because especially, you know, this is a guy from the Netherlands in the Netherlands and they're all, you know, dorks of his, you know, um, so they wanted his attention. So, I ended up spending a wonderful amount of time with Becky. We were just hanging out and drinking. Okay. She was so much. She was so much fun. You know. Where's she from? Uh, South Carolina. Well, that's where okay. they live now. They live in South Carolina. I don't know if that's where she's from because if you listen to her voice, she's yeah. she's got no accent whatsoever. Uh, no southern accent whatsoever, I should say. So. So one of the things that struck me when I was listening to your interview with with Hans is that he has an area of focus mm-hmm. that I think is is deeply connected to one of our areas of focus. Okay. Where he's got his three of his books are Whiskey and Jazz, mm-hmm. Bourbon and Blues, mm-hmm. and Rum and Reggae. Yeah. And I love You love Reggae. This <laughs> you know me. Um Moving swiftly on. <laughs> Fuck you. I totally love um, I love the intercontextuality that he sees with whiskey. And just like we did a couple of episodes ago, mm-hmm. we tied whiskey to comic books and graphic novels. Yeah. Yep. Here you've got Hans tying whiskey to music. And and how that thread runs through culture. Mm. And I think that's an absolutely wonderful area of focus. And I I love the fact that he saw that, the way that we see that. And also, you know, tying this back to the blogs a little bit, I had a, a, a recurring piece with a good friend and, and contributor to, to the podcast, Young Jim, uh, mm-hmm. Young Jim Hendigus. Hendigus, yep. And Jim 
would write a piece that connected whiskey with a piece of music with a novel or short story. I remember that. Oh, I loved those right? posts. That's right. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so again, there's that rich intercontextuality yeah. that that drives whiskey forward. And it's yeah. not just liquid in a glass. It's liquid in a glass that tastes different on any given day, given the experiences you had that day up to the point of drinking it, that changes with the music that's that you're listening to, that changes with what you've got in front of you, whether it's grading or the newspaper or you've got a TV program on or you've got the news on. That liquid in the glass changes, changes yeah. based on everything happening round about it. And that, to me, is is an amazing aspect of whiskey consumption. Yeah. I'm going to throw my own hat into the ring. Because hat I, into the ring? My, oh, I did a, a very small series where I tried connecting music to whiskey. And let me interject for one second, because oh. you're, you're being unusually humble. That was... <laughs> That was an incredibly popular short series that you ran on your blog. That had a massive following. And I'll I'll continue. Okay. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, go ahead. That had a massive following to the point that Brooke Laddie named a Valanche after one of your posts. Yeah, it's specific to the Queen's Jubilee, her 60th (laughs) (laughs) anniversary as Queen. That is amazing. Yeah. Your 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 sex pistols, God save the Queen Valanche. Yeah. That's amazing. So anyway, I just had to interject because you were being unusually humble. And so please continue on with the point you were making. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said it because it, had I said it. I've got it, your back, it, brother. It, it would have been a little uh there would have been a little puffery going on there. And but that was very very well done. That was such a super smart thank short you, series you. you did. Well, you know, I think every island distillery had its had its own sort of personality, especially if you look at the distillery and their own releases, right? Let's forget independently bottled yeah. whiskeys. Yes, yes. Because it's the distilleries putting their face out there and not the independent yes. bottlers. And, and each one had, in my opinion, a particular personality that aligned itself pretty well with certain rock and roll bands, whether it was the Sex Pistols for Brooke Lottie, you know, who just did whatever the F they wanted to. Um, you now know. we don't use the word fuck on the podcast. We just used it a whole bunch earlier. Oh, fuck. I didn't say fuck. <laughs> we, did get an, we did get an email. I can't remember how it came to us, but I know we got a comment from a listener who had been listening to a podcast and thoroughly enjoying it and then said, and I, that portion where I just, Covered my children's ears for a moment, and it made me think. Yeah, people are probably listening to this in the car with our kids, and thanks for that. And maybe we should be a little bit more careful with our language. And then today, I just totally forgot about that because it's December and I'm drinking. Listen back to the PMRC and Frank Zappa. Uh, you know, we have a parental advisory, blah blah blah, whatever thing. So, so you know, this may not be. You know, this may be not safe for work, not safe for children. Uh, especially when Jason talks about hate fucks, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, so so just getting back, it, 
there was something, you know, me being a music dork slash music snob, I saw these clear connections of, you know, Bowmore just seemed like David Bowie to me, where it was this ever changing, <laughs> if you look at their whiskeys from the, from the, you know, and I'm, I'll go back as far as the 60s, but the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and, and through to today, it went through an evolution of changes of change. I just right? had it in my head. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> you know, where, where the, its identity changed a little bit. So I said, boom, that's perfect. That's what Bowie was all about. Keep people on their toes. Once you thought you knew what Bowie was, he would change it all. And that's what I that's what I viewed Bo Moore to be. It had these very clear, uh, you know, definitions of this is what the '60s were like, this is what the '80s were like, and so on. Is there a search tag that uh, listeners can use at Jumalt.com if they'd like to read this series for themselves? If they go to Jumalt.com, uh, there may be a link on the page. Uh, just search the word Isla. And and that may work or rock and rock and roll rather than okay. rock and or roll. Okay. So uh, I'm sure you would have attached a, a specific uh, you tag know me, I like my links. To this post. I like my links, I like my hashtags, I like my yeah. other stuff. But uh yeah, if you want to check it out, it's yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So so yeah, so it's so again it's it's nice to see that overlap with somebody very well respected and very well regarded in the industry having those points to riff off as well. And uh, and I hope that that anybody who finds this podcast of interest will check out Hans's books. Yeah. Uh especially with the rise of of bourbon um the massive rise of bourbon. I hope more people are checking out Bourbon and blues, bourbon. Yeah, ex- exactly. And and we'll get to the a misconception that that Becky Ofringa t- said uh, about bourbon, which I which I quite liked. And and it's to me, it seems like a bit of an obvious one. However, I ran into <laughs> someone last week who had the same misconception. Oh yeah, and I had to just yep. like shake my head and it's like, what the, d- sir, sir, Simpson. Simpson. Here are your messages. You have 30 minutes to move your car. You have 10 minutes. Your car has been impounded. Your car has been crushed into a cube. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Hello, Mr. Burns' office. Is it about my cube? Hans, thank you again for your for your time during Malt Stock. Uh, the interview is great with you and Becky, and I think the beers and whiskeys. Uh, may have been even better, just hanging out and talking. Uh, it was great. So thank you. And Jason, we really need to move on, if you wouldn't mind, because I know how I edit things. And I think that this episode might take people in through 2019. Um, <laughs> and, but there are a couple of points uh, in in news that I wanted to talk about. Let's bring them out. Extra, extra. So first and foremost, because we're getting close to the deadline of the early bird gets the worm 218, E-B-G-T-W 218. I didn't even try it. (laughs) Promo code. 
uh, our Whiskey Jubilee Seattle, our third annual event, we are about three quarters of the way sold out. Yeah, it's moving brilliantly. It's it's their tickets are going like hotcakes. Yes. Yeah, this this will drop on December twentieth, and the early bird special ends December twenty second. Yeah, and there's a chance that it might even be sold out before the early bird portion closes. Yeah. So so if you're listening to this podcast right now, you say, "Who I got to hop on that," and you found that it has sold out, which may or may not happen. May or may not. Uh, then, then our apologies. We'll be coming back for a fourth year there. Uh, so don't you worry. A newer, larger venue as well. And, and that's the point I was about to make. Oh. Larger venue, mm-hmm. increasing attendance, making sure people are happy and get yeah. in the doors. But yeah. make sure you join us for our last year at Within Soto yeah. as we send that venue off in style. Yep. Yeah. So so I really, I wanted to bring that out. And, and the last bit of news... That I had in my mind, and, and if you have other news, please, please throw it in there. Uh, but the last bit of news is our third release, which we mentioned in, in the last episode, has been picked. It's been bottled, and it's about to be labeled and soon shipped. So we seem on target for that early part of 2018. Let's call it first quarter. And, uh, and yeah, and coming with the third release will be the Port Charlotte fourteen-year-old exactly. in a first fill Oloroso hoggy. Yes, I get I get questions about that release every day. People that I see, people who text me, people who email me, every single day I answer questions about that release. With that and, in mind, yes. And I'm as excited to release it as they are to purchase it. Yeah. I don't want to sell all the bottles, though. We'll keep some back for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, listeners. It's so freaking good. No, Jason, I'm not going to cut that because, you know, there are, there are, there are whiskeys that we are proud of and we are proud of all of our whiskeys there is no doubt about it can i tell you what i just poured this is a 14 year old port charlotte and a first fill oloroso hoggy oh look at that it's what i have in my glass cheers to that cheers um hey this whiskey if you are a fan of port charlotte and, and this is why i say you know we're very proud of all of our whiskeys but the people who are Port Charlotte fans are those rabid fans who will go through hell and high water to get that new special bottling. This well, is I'm, yeah. Sorry, no, you finish. You finish. I'm sorry. This is I'm up, just rubbing. Yeah. That's me doing the hand rub for the snip of the barley. All right. Oh my goodness, that's so good. Sorry, you, you finish. I interrupted you. I didn't mean to. Um, whiskey company aside, this is easily the best Port Charlotte I've ever tasted. If I had tasted this in someone else's bottle, (laughs) I would have said, oh my gosh, I need, I need a case. And it's, it's a mix of that Port Charlotte funk. It's the sherry done right with little, if any sulfur, maybe 
little hint of struck match in there, which I which I quite like. Um, Leather just, belts, right? It just it ticks all of the boxes. It, it's everything that you want to come out of Port Charlotte or come out of Brooklady as Port Charlotte, and then some. Well, and, and I'm I was just going to reiterate a point that I'm sure I've made before, mm. which is I have spent a lot more money on younger bottlings than this and non-sherry bottlings yeah. of Port Charlotte. Yeah. I've I've spent 110 pounds. I've spent 120 pounds. Um and here we are this will be available for 125 dollars. Dollars for I 14 am, years, yeah. You know, I am uh, for 14 years and first fill Oloroso sherry hoggy. Yeah. <laughs> and dark as hell. That's a, yeah. that's amazing. And so I'm I mentioned the price a lot because I do buy Port Charlotte and because I'm very proud of our $125 price point on this. Yeah, it's 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 a no-brainer. Um, and if you love Port Charlotte, you will you'll want to jump all over this. Like our Kregeliki Double Cask Nation, like our most recent Whiskey Jubilee Wild Turkey bottling, it's going to be one of those ones where people are – it's going to go quickly, so we'll, we will start having a countdown on our Facebook page. So if you're a Single Cast Nation member and you're not on our Facebook page, get on there quickly. Uh, we will be letting people know when pre-sales will start. But it's it's going to be exciting, and it's, it's just great. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah. a crack in Port Charlotte. Yep. Do you know what? Jason, Neil, Johnston, Yellen. Oh, I do not. Joshua Yossi Hatton. <laughs> That's not my middle name. It's my Hebrew Michael. name. Michael. Is your Michael. middle name Michael? No. It is an M. Martin. Martin. That's right. This podcast is our final podcast of the year. It is dropping December 20 and we won't be back until January 3rd. That's right. And I, I thought it was fitting that we both have oh. The, oh that we both have the Port Charlotte in our glass mm. to celebrate this. But I, I'd been sipping on some other stuff too, as I know you have as well. I, I did. You and I have been enjoying some celebratory drams throughout the recording of this podcast mm. without really drawing any attention to them. No, no. And you know what? I'm going to leave it at that. What I will say, however. And this is in honor of David Stirk, who kicked off our podcast series, who introduced us to Tune of mm-hmm. Malt Stock. Mm-hmm. I poured a little exclusive malt, some fancy stuff from 1972. Beautiful. And um, especially during this time of year, it doesn't get much more celebratory. Celebratory? You're asking the wrong person. Yeah. Uh, to me, it doesn't get any more celebratory than than Kilhoman. So I had a little Kilhoman as well. Nice. Tenth anniversary. Uh, special bottling that one. Yeah. Very few bottles of that made it to the U.S. <laughs> so yeah, kudos on having that in your glass. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I I decided in almost uh, celebration of the year and in celebration of the Port Charlotte which we believe will sell out quickly, uh, I also poured our double cask Nation Craig Elliki, Oh, nice. Nice, nice. Which sold out during pre-sales and sold out, I think, in two days. 
was it as long as two days? <laughs> it, it was fast. Turn your back on it. It sold out. And uh, yeah, it's it's delicious. It's every bit as delicious as I remember it being. And I do know that seeing people at tastings and on the road, uh, they will say that Craig Ellicke was fantastic. Uh, somebody actually reached out and asked me if we had any of that hiding in our warehouse. <laughs> and I said, we absolutely do not. We sold. We actually oversold. I had to yeah. buy back two bottles uh, from one of our members. That's right. That's right. Uh, because we oversold it, which is one of the downsides of selling out during pre-sales. Jason, before we go into misconceptions, I wanted to just remind people that for our one-year anniversary episode, which will be on February 14th. Perfect date. <laughs> we will be having a mailbag episode. So we for a while, we're really not... excited about that. Yes. So for a while, we're not going to be answering mail. We're just going to be collecting mail. And I actually had a good conversation with Liz Cady, uh, who sent in uh, a bunch of questions to us before, along with her wife, Natalie. Mm -hmm. And during that conversation, she had said, I I've got a whole bunch of questions for you. And I said, oh, yeah, exactly. I said, good, good, good. Start sending them to us. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We, yeah. And she is yeah. wicked smart as well. Yeah. I, I had the yeah. pleasure, and I'm sure I've mentioned this, but I had the pleasure of her company uh, around one of our uh, Barrel Thief tours of Scotland. Mm -hmm. And she is just smart as a whip, and I thoroughly enjoy her. Yeah. So that's tremendous. Yeah. Really looking forward to seeing what questions come in from Liz. Yeah. So we'll see. And so as a reminder, keep sending us in questions. We're not answering any really now until February uh, when when that episode goes excuse me when that episode goes live so uh, send them in and we will start contemplating them and building a, an episode around them <laughs> and Con contemplating is clearly different than researching <laughs> you'll still be getting our half-baked <laughs> ideas on things but we will have contemplated those half-baked <laughs> ideas <laughs> So, we will not be cracking a book or doing one lick of research. Uh, actually, Balancer sent in a, a question recently about can a whiskey go bad? Because he thinks he may have had a whiskey that made him sick. So uh, I may want to get him an answer sooner rather than later on that <laughs> one just personally. But I think it'll be a good one to to talk about on, on the episode. Kind yeah. of. Can a whiskey give you the bubonic plague? Because I think I might be dying. Like, hey, we're on it. Give us till February 14. We'll get you a full unfiltered answer on that one. Hang with us. Somehow I got gonorrhea from this Brooklyn. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> I would imagine oral hairpiece is possible. So, uh, so please send us your questions, and you can do so by emailing us questions at One Nation Under Whiskey. You could tweet at us, and our handle is at One Nation Whiskey. Our Instagram is at One Nation Under Whiskey, and our Facebook is facebook.com/slash One Nation Under Whiskey. And I'm, I have a challenge to Mister Murray Johnston. Oh, he sits by the sidelines. He listens in. He's devoted. He's, he he's is, a brother. Yeah. He is literally he's, your brother, but he's also he's my brother. He is. Uh, but yeah, other than 
you know, give us criticisms on the show uh, or give us praises, many, many praises. He yes, is he's yet, a critic in the true sense of the word. Yeah. It's all constructive. It's all constructive. Yeah, it, it is. It's all for our own good. I would like to hear <laughs> a question from him. So I'm calling on Murray Johnston specifically. I want a question. Awesome. Awesome. I, I, yeah. I'm sure our good friend, Chad Robinson, mm-hmm. who reaches out via the Facebook Messenger, uh, is a wildly knowledgeable guy in the whiskey industry. I'm sure he could set us up with a good question as well uh, for the mailbag. Uh, he did reach out this week to say, an episode's gone past. I was talking to my iPad and I've imagined you guys were responding. Now you actually are responding. What is happening out there? And so maybe we'll get we'll get an intellectual uh, observation or question from Mr. Chad Robinson. And and finally, uh, you know, huge fan of the podcast, Bill Murray. You know, I, I want him to write in and, and ask questions. No, did I go too far? Was it not that funny? It's not that funny. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> the joke in, is in that there is no joke there. Anyway, so Jason, I just yeah, I just told him we would keep that totally on the DL, and then you just completely blabbed it to everybody. Shit. Oh, let's you know, not I, edit it out. But let's just tell our listeners to yeah. forget that they heard it. I, you know, I was I was teetering on a razor's edge. Should I bring that up? Should I not bring that up? Some people are. And after that, Bill Murray never listened to another episode. (laughs) Well, it could be lost in translation. You don't know. No? Hello? I'm not joining in on this. This thing on? I'm not joining in on this. Yeah. You're a golfer, aren't you? (laughs) I tell you. I tell you. The way you keep bringing up the same jokes feels like Groundhog Day. (laughs) Oh. So, (laughs) misconceptions. I believe Becky had one about bourbon. We mentioned that early in the episode. Yeah, and then Hans did. had one as well, didn't he? He did. He did. So I'm just going to move over to the tape really quick on, on those misconceptions, which I thought were, were just spot on. Uh, the bourbon can only be made in Kentucky. Oh, right. Right. There was a lot of misinformation, especially in Europe, about bourbon as a product and the difference between a straight whiskey versus just a whiskey mm-hmm. made on, on American soil. There's so many tiny liquor laws in the U.S. Yeah. You could write a whole book on it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I noticed that, that there's a lot of misconceptions about, about wood. Um, funny you mention it because in a tasting I attended that was given by an American gentleman who does his own bottlings. Uh, they're called One Nation Cask or One Cask Nation. I the name, but someone in the audience asked that question, and, and again, I, I thought that's that's typical. So many people don't really realize uh, about wood. What's what's the what's the, st- the correct story? So I interrupted the people, and I explained to the man: you have American oak and you have European oak. A lot of people think European oak is sherry, American oak is bourbon. That's mm. not true. Uh, Spanish bodegas, for ages, they've used American oak to uh, mature their sherry. The thing is, the type of wood has nothing to do with the previous contents, but the type of wood will give you certain characteristics in your whiskey. Mm-hmm. So I always try to uh, to explain to people, even with the whole discussion with the f- 
Macallan Fine Oak at the time. They said, oh, no, it's all in bourbon. No, no. It's in American oak seasoned with cherry. It's in European oak seasoned with cherry. They bring the product together. You get a totally different flavor profile while still retaining the the uh, initial character of Macallan. Yeah. And that's only an example. But when you when you really explain to people, it's there's much more to uh, the cask and the wood than... American oak is bourbon and uh, European oak is sherry. That's, that is a very good point. That's w- whenever I do tastings and I talk about you know, sherry cast matured stuff. And, you know, I ask the people in the audience and I say, how many of you are drinking sherry right now? Right? How many hands go up? You know, if you're in right one, even if there's 50 people in the room, and, you know, that has changed sometime in the, you know, 70s, 80s, somewhere around there where sherry drinking just plummeted. And, um, and I think that there's a bit of a correlation in sherry production as it relates to the use of wood. Now, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, and this could be my own uh, misconception, but my understanding was you know, nowadays to get sherry matured whiskey, they basically have to produce casks to season the wood, right? And then that sherry is either dumped or maybe it's cooking sherry or yeah, maybe it's just cheap, vinegar. yeah, something like that. And then, and then given to whiskey producers to now produce sherry cask matured whiskeys. But the prominent use of American oak really started when sherry maturation went, went down. Is, it, is, is that a, a direct, cor- correct correlation? No, because the bodegas had been uh, buying American oak for ages and ages. And these big uh, European oak casks, they were used for shipping uh, yeah. the sherry to other places. But lots of sherry have been matured in American oak for, well, m- more than 100 years. So it's, it's, it's okay. a practice that, has, that, that goes back a long time, but somewhere in the 70s what happened, um, the Spanish bodegas would ship their full casks of sherry to Bristol, to Edinburgh, to London, Mm. whether it be American or European oak, that was not the issue, but it was bottled uh, in a foreign country. And then somewhere in the 70s, the Spanish labor uh, union said, we're not going to do that. We're going to bottle ourselves. Oh, here, yeah. So then the supply of uh, sherry seasoned casks dried up. Plummeted, yeah. In the UK. So they had to come up with a different policy. And I think McCallum, also Glenn Farkless, were one of the first to sign, to sign, to sign contracts with bodegas. They said, we want you to season our casks. We want to be part of uh, the team that chooses the actual trees we need. Glamorgy is famous for it in uh, in in yeah, the US the, in in the those yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dr. Bill Lumsden famously said one time, "If need be, we will go back to the acorn." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, well, what I what I'm trying to, to say is, uh, in answering your question, um, it's not about. Uh, Suddenly, there was no more sherry. People did. People gradually started to dislike sherry. It was an old women's drink, which I think is totally incorrect. 
totally. Becky and I have done tastings with, you know, the the, the distillers edition of the the classic malts. Mm -hmm. They're all uh, uh, extra sort of matured yeah. in a, in a type of sherry cask. So what we did one time, we had a six classic malts, the distillers edition, and we had a glass of all the different sherries. Yeah. We were not the only ones who who done that, but it opened up people's eyes. Sherry is not just sherry. Right. Wood is not just wood. Right. Yeah. That's great. Thank you to Hans and Becky for their time Indeed. meeting with you. Mm -hmm. Thank you to you for going over there, representing Single Cast Nation for the very first time mm -hmm. and interviewing Hans and Becky. Thank you to Toon for the invitation to Maltstock. Yeah, that meant, that meant a lot that he that he'd want us there. And thanks to all of our listeners, those who reach out to us and those who quietly listen and tell their friends. As always, if you'd like to sing our praises via a five-star review, please mm -hmm. go to the iTunes machine for that. Um, if you've got questions, as we just said. That was that was people going to the iTunes machine. You can't do that without going beep, burp, 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 beep, burp, burp. Please do send in your questions for our February 14 episode. Yep. Uh, we'll need those by uh, February 3rd or so at the uh, latest. Get it Maybe to us. January 31. We will be closing out yeah. questions for that episode on January 31. Yeah, because we're not sure when we'll have to do the recording. My yeah. calendar for January and February is an absolute disaster. And uh, I imagine yours is shaping up well, likewise. Yeah, well, we've, yeah. We've got some time in Scotland in January, which you, we've we've got so much going on. So, yeah. So long as we can record a podcast in a moving vehicle, we will have tons of time to record because we will be south, east, west and north. So we will be spending multiple hours in a car driving. Brilliant. Uh, if we can record on the move. Brilliant. So, with all of our thanks said, Joshua, it just remains to get out of here and let our listeners get on with their various celebrations. Mm -hmm. And we will see everybody in the new year. See you January 3rd. Happy Cheers, new Josh. Year. Cheers. Anybody who knows that song. Email us at questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com. Always the penis with you. <laughs>